Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host Maxine and we're on episode 167. Hello, hello, hello. So much to discuss. Okay, so I noticed in the last episode, I started off like these topics, right? I made it plural and I legit had a plan to talk about multiple things. And I did essentially, but um, according to the list on the agenda that I had, I only covered one topic, one major topic, and that was the the B. Simone comments on MLK, which I still stand ten toes down on. Like, anyway, we're moving on from that because old news. Let's talk about what exactly is gun control. <laughs> See how we just made that switch? What is gun? Like, I feel like it's such a common, um like requirement or request that people have like well we need gun control we need gun control what does that mean what does that look like right I want people to be more specific when it comes to gun control and it's so funny I feel like the way that I've been talking about guns lately it seems like I have one of my own right it seems like I'm a carrier it seems like I I bear arms I don't currently right maybe eventually I will I don't own one myself and um it's just never been a thought but I understand one's right to carry right I understand um if one decide to carry guns to protect him or herself and their loved ones so it's just like you don't have to be a gun carrier to be someone who supports that that right and I feel like the the ones who are in support of guns um bearing arms then we're now synonymous to being okay with kids being slaughtered in school when that's just like ridiculous to me like it shouldn't have to be um this means that it's, it's totally different things. Like I could still um, want the right to bear arms, right? Because there's so many reasons why, right? Like we are living in America and I feel like at the very least, if we're, if our, if our right to bear arms is taken away from us, then what else is, right? We're already taken away our right to do what we please with our bodies, right? Um, and I'm speaking specifically for the, the vaccine mandates. And yet there's a confusing story when it comes to like abortion rights, right? My body, my choice. Yet that same argument isn't had if I am not interested in getting a vaccine, right? So it's just like a weird contradictory times that we are living in. And I just wonder, like, why can't we have these, like, these separate conversations, right? Like, why can't you respect me as someone who respects the right to bear arms and yet still be disappointed, not disappointed, um, still be disgusted with the events that took place um, just recently at Robb Elementary School here in Texas. Now, you know what's so funny? Not funny at all. There's nothing funny about it, right? And we're going to put on the hat of we believe it all, right? Because I, I do want to still be sensitive because, um, you know, I say all the time, two things can still be true, right? You know, you can still have lives lost and 
you know, due to someone being just foolish and um, just a, a criminal with their right, quote unquote, to bear arms and um, taking the lives of so many innocent people. And you can still believe that this is still an agenda-filled event. Like, <laughs> does that, hello, does that not make sense to anybody? There's um, a friend of mine, shout out to her. <laughs> she was like, she hit me up just recently, and she was like, hey, girl, I feel like I could only ask you this question without coming off insensitive. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, do you think this is real? <laughs> and it's sad that we have to ask that question, right? Or some of us do. Like, other people are so quick to believe anything that the media says, so quick to just believe the hype, et cetera, et cetera. But um, as for me and a few other people who I know personally, we're not quick to believe the hoopla. We're not quick to put on an emotional mask and and put our head straight for this cause for gun control. What is gun control? What does that mean? Do you mean taking away um, our guns completely? Because that's, that's a part of control, right? Or do you mean having a, a strong secure screening of who gets to have access to purchase guns legally. Now, I feel like at the same time though, we we talk up a we talk up a good argument as to why guns need to be controlled and there needs to be better policies and laws put in place for gun control and yada yada yada. It's like, well, you know people still break laws, right? Like, you know this is still not going to be um like a clear-cut thing that from here on now, it'll be followed, and there will be no more mass shootings. There will be no more school shootings. Like, I don't think, unfortunately, there is a guaranteed plan. And, you know, there's, a, like, a lot of memes that I'm seeing about, like, oh, only in America you have school shootings. And I don't, like, okay, if that's an American um, problem, well, go to a foreign place. O only in Afghanistan you have gay people being pushed off of cliffs because they're gay. Like, there's a lot of only this area does this thing. One doesn't make it right, right? Like, it doesn't solidify or make it okay that, you know, we're living in a time where this is, like, a cultural norm, right? You have educators, people in the schools who have to know the protocol and who have to create protocols in times of these events. So, it, like, this whole, like, only in America, like, shut up. Go live in Haiti right now. Go live in Haiti right now. You get kidnapped because you look American, and because you look American, you'll get snatched. Huh? Only in Haiti do you get fucking kidnapped upon arrival and get held for ransom because you look American and because your your Haitian Creole is not as fluent or, or, or smooth as the natives there. Therefore, you seem like a target that they could use so they could get a come up. Like, there's, there's, there's always areas in the world where some fucked up shit is happening and it's just a cultural norm like that's literally a normal thing in Haiti w growing up in Boston um with Haitian immigrant parents 
I would hear a lot of stories of them telling me how a, a distant cousin of mine or someone at the church that we that we went to um, and that they still go to, but um, someone at the church, their daughter or that person directly got kidnapped. Right. There was um, there's this one person who went to the same church as us and she when she was growing up, like probably like in her early teens, she got kidnapped. She got held for ransom and um, it was on purpose because whoever held her wanted um, money. They wanted money from her family and she was held until they got what they wanted. Now, I don't know what happened to her during her time of captivity. Um, she still is like, she, she made it out alive. I don't know how that went through, but they were able to get what they wanted and they released her. And the, you know, me hearing this at eight, nine, like I've heard multiple stories of this. This is like, you know, me hearing it for the first time at that age, when I first heard of a story like that, I'm like, oh my, like so taken aback, like, oh my God, what? You got help for it, like, or this person got help for ransom, and yada yada yada. And my parents are just like saying it very, like, not casual, but very much like, yeah, you know, the, these things happen in Haiti. Like, you know, you live in a land where it's filled with a lot of poverty and a lot of people who want to eat, who want to eat, uh, feed their families. Uh, what do you do? You help. You hold people up for ransom, right? Like, and I'm not. You know, I laugh at everything, y'all. I laugh at everything, so please forgive me. But that's just what the fuck it is. Like, that's, and it's horrible that we have to normalize it, but it's just already a normal thing. Like, we can't act like America doesn't have, like, a lot of benefits to living on this land. Like, you know, so despite the school shootings, right, my parents coming from Haiti and having these stories of, people who they know personally who got held for ransom or whose children got held for ransom coming into America, like they still will live here regardless. Like it doesn't matter. Like all of these propaganda of why America ain't shit. And you know, you can't feel safe here as a black person. It's like, but okay. But if you coming from a poverty stricken country, (laughs) And you emigrated to the States, you made uh, very well of yourself, you you bought your house, you you bought a house, maybe you have multiple houses, you have your own business, you you have a car, your, your children are, are fed, are clothed, like, it's a better life than what you had in your native country. Like, regardless of what the media says, shut the fuck up, like, America is still better. You know, like America is still is better than where you came from. And if it wasn't, why did you immigrate here? I sound like a, <laughs> I sound like a Republican, huh? <laughs> no, but like, I just think, I, I just hate when people don't have pride, like pride of self, pride of who they are, pride of, of, of where they came from, right, or their family or their job in some way, right? There's some areas where, of course, you you want to grow and you don't want to be in a toxic area, toxic environment. But ultimately, if you are, oh, like, if you're always bashing something of yours, then what the fuck should I be proud of you for? Like, I remember I was dating this guy. 
that really did it. We were talking. Anyway, he was calling it. Church Bay. Remember Church Bay? Him. And, you know, we're both from Boston. Um, I remember one time, he, uh, what happened? We was talking about, no, we came across someone else. So it was me and him. We was walking together. Oh, no, no, no. Here's the thing. So he came to Houston uh, He to visit me or whatever. And this was like a little while ago. Yeah, like two years ago at this point. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to say two years. No, but anyway, so this was like, a, a, yeah, a good two years ago. And I remember um, he finally came to visit me because we were like long distance for a while. And um, he had friends in an area. Anyway, that's besides the fucking point. Let me get to the point. The point is we were together physically in person, right? And we came across someone else um as we were walking somewhere and I guess we just we started a conversation and the person was like oh where are you from and we said oh we're from Boston and the person never been to Boston um the stranger never been to Boston and uh I think it was an older woman and she was like oh I would love to visit there I heard it's you know very historical and you know beautiful and everything that she's saying is true right Boston is a historical place it's it's a um, it's filled with a lot of history, very much so. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it really is a historical place. Like, I'm, I'm talking about our landmarks. I'm talking about um, Faneuil Hall. I'm talking about TD Garden. I'm talking about all these, like, amazing landmarks of Boston because I know it firsthand as a, a native. And, um, and I'm also, like, enriching your mind on it, this lady's mind on it, because she, sh- she is showing interest of it. And this guy, Church Bay, talking about, oh, Boston sucks. Boston ain't shit. This is like, huh? <laughs> can you fucking, can you have some confidence? Like, what? Boston ain't shit. Oh, Boston. Oh, Boston's whack. I'm like, no, it's not, though. Like, it's not. Like, I get it. You want to, like, you know, try something new, right? Move on to different pastures. But you don't have to shit on the pasture that you're in. Right. You could just say, hey, you know, I'm ready for new environments. I'm, I'm ready for a new place. But it doesn't mean Boston has a whole like it ain't shit. You shouldn't go there. Like it's not Detroit. <laughs> no offense to Detroit. But you know what I mean? Like it's a beautiful city. Boston is a beautiful city. And for him to not have that pride of it, it just shows like I just it just disgusted me. It just made me cringe. Like, ew. like, why don't you care about where where you came from? You know, like, why don't you care about your street? Why don't you care about the house that you live? Why don't you, why don't you fucking care? Can you care? Talking about, ooh, Boston, it's so fucking dumb. Anyway, that shit annoy me. Anyway, the point is, like, have some fucking pride. Have some pride. I'm really tired of people so quick to diminish where they are currently. Right? Even though you want to move. Even though you want to try new places. Right? I remember... Um, where I, when I was in the thinking stages and the strong feeling stages of wanting to move out of Boston and moving here to Houston, not once was I like, Boston ain't shit. At least I don't remember doing that. But I wasn't really like, I, I just was like, okay, I'm ready to try new things. I'm ready to go to a whole new place. I, you know, I've been in the tri-state area for all my life. I lived in Connecticut for a couple of years because of, uh, of undergrad. 
Um, and I, you know, lived in Boston, of course, and I've been to New York many times and I just was always in that area and it was, you know, great, beautiful, New England, all of that. But uh, I want to see something new. Like I want to go to a whole new place. I want to start anew. I want to create the life for myself. I want to cultivate my own life. I want to be the adult that I want to be. And moving to Houston was that motivation for me to do so and learning about the city here and Texas has a whole, like all of that motivated me but while I'm motivated to go somewhere else it was never on some I'm moving here because Boston ain't shit okay like can we like have some fucking pride Boston ain't shit Ugh. so what is gun control <laughs> what does it mean um so Beto O'Rourke Beto O'Rourke who was a democratic mayoral uh nominee nominee was it mayor no was it mayor or was he trying to be it was a governor yeah he was trying to beat um abbott so obviously he didn't win right so beta roig definitely uh showed his ass just a couple of days ago showed his ass and I don't know if it was a publicity stunt. I don't know if he just got raptured in his emotions and decided to to speak up and speak out. Um, I don't even know why he was in attendance, honestly. Like, I just feel like, okay, like, I don't know. Like, when you have certain moments when you're purposely trying to cause an uproar I wonder how much is it intentional or was it like an accidental feeling that you just had to had to um speak on anyway let me read this so Democrat Beto O'Rourke was escorted out of Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott's press conference on Wednesday after he showed up and heckled the governor in the middle of an update on the elementary school massacre in Uvalde which is in San Antonio here in Texas. As Abbott was finishing his remarks to reporters, O'Rourke, the Democratic candidate for governor, stood up and began speaking about the need for gun control legislation. Again, what does that mean? Excuse me, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said as O'Rourke ignored him and went on about how the time has come to put a stop to gun violence okay dummy like what do you fucking think obviously it's like you say these obvious statements for what to to get the next uh vote when the elections are open again O'Roy did not have a microphone and most of his comments were inaudible um ted cruz told him to sit down but O'Roy kept speaking um patrick told O'Rourke, you're out of line and in embarrassment. You are doing nothing, O'Rourke yelled at Abbott as police officers began to march him out of the room. Uh, you need to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk this over, said Uvalde Mayor Don McLaughlin, calling O'Rourke a sick son of a bitch. What a, what a press conference, huh? So... What's interesting about this is you have Beto O'Rourke purposely causing a ruckus, right, in the name of wanting gun control legislation and in the name of 
putting this all on Governor Abbott as if, like, as if he's the singular reason. Like, every resident in your town or in your city is, is, um, is a reflection of you. But I, you know, that's weird to me. You know, like, you have, for example, you have uh, bad kids, right? Kids who are just bad as fuck. Don't listen. Um, don't have good grades. Don't care about shit. You know, on, on some level, you could blame the parents, right? Especially if they're still young children. And even in their teenage years, I get that. But ultimately, I feel like you have to let people be who they are. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, there's no, there's no one to blame but the person, him or herself. So, doing the easy, easy pointing of fingers of I'm going to blame Governor Abbott because he decided to continue allowing Texans to to hold guns when. We got to read up on that some more, but I feel like ultimately, though, regardless if there were strong legislations put in place for residents of, of Texas, Texas to to bear arms, people could still access guns illegally. Like, hello? Like, no matter how much you legalize or make something illegal, you could still find a way where there's a will, there's a way. You could still find a way to get access to what you need. Period. I could hit up somebody right now and get some cocaine. I could. I promise you I could. Like, if I really wanted to, I know I know a person, okay, and I could make it do what it do. If I wanted to. I don't want to. But the point is, I could still get access. I don't need to wait until the government government makes it legal for me to then have access to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter if it's illegal or not. Niggas could still get what they want. And I'm not saying niggas. Like, I'm just saying, like, people in general. Like, you could still get what you want. Anyway, um, Beto O'Rourke did not win his Democratic... um, debate or he didn't get the nomination obviously because you know we see governor abbott in office but he didn't win because there was a a pivotal moment in his democratic primary debate in 2019 when he said hell yes we're going to take your ar-15 your ak-47 we're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow americans anymore now this is he's saying this in texas Right. Or wait, was he trying to run for president at that? I think he was at one point. Yeah, I think he was. But regardless, you have plenty of red states who are obviously not in agreement with this. So you have someone telling you, hey, vote for me and this is what will happen. Oh, we're definitely not going to vote for you. We're definitely not going to vote for you. Right. And it's not to say you need to bear AR-15s and AK-47. But let me have the right to. Like, <laughs> I, don't know what to, I don't know how else to say it. Let me have the right to. Like, regardless of it all, if you wanted to kill someone with a Glock, you could. Right? Oh, but, but an AR-15 and AK-47, you could do it at a speed of light. Yeah. 
But, like, this gun violence happening every day. Like, what do we talk about when we say gun control? Like, what does that really mean? It's ultimately, it starts off by saying, hey, we're going to say we're going to take away your big-time guns that you don't need because you're not in the military. You're not, you know, a police officer or whatever. So you don't need this. And then it's going to trickle down to we're going to now take your Glock. We're going to take your knives. We're going to take any form of weapons that you may have. And now you are weaponless. There is nothing that you could use to really defend yourself unless you're using like a plant, right? Or um, a lamp or shit, maybe even a hammer if that. But the point is this trickles down to us ultimately being unarmed. Okay, us ultimately being um, citizens in a world, in a city, in a state that is now just completely unarmed, where we don't have any access to self-protection, self-preservation, and now everyone is really just out there willy-nilly, and you don't know what could happen that could prevent you from protecting yourself and your loved ones. So, like, I know it's so quick to say, you know, well, you know, why do why do you need, and yeah, sure, why do you need an AR-15? Why do you need an AK-47? That's not the point. The point is, let me have the right to still bear arms and still be disappointed and disgusted with the act of this, this lone wolf who decided to, um, kill people now you know with this there was a lot of uh argument about that right like okay so this happened in a hispanic area therefore a lot of hispanic kids are the ones who are victimized and this is done by a hispanic man who is definitely like white skin and what I mean by that is there's a lot of um Hispanics here who could definitely pass for white if they wanted to um but his name clearly (laughs) I mean you can't get away with that wasn't Santiago Ramirez like some shit like that's I mean if it's not if that's not Hispanic what is so you have something like that where he's now looked at as or it's now looked at as this um the borders, right? Like there should be stronger borders. There should be ways to better our immigration policy so that immigrants won't come over here easily and, you know, terrorize the residents of America. And then so there's this argument that, well, if we're focusing on that, we're missing the picture. Like there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Now, I don't know if he was an immigrant Um, there was also a picture of him wearing a dress and talking about like trans being trans and stuff that has soon been debunked. Apparently that was just like a, a lie. I don't know if someone just made that up or if that was true, but last thing I heard about it was that it is not true. He was, that was not really him or someone put that on him has a Photoshop situation, regardless of what it is, like, you know, what the events that took place was disturbing and I just don't like to be emotional. Does that make sense? Like I don't like to I don't like to be emotional. I like to keep my keep my emotions in check. 
especially when it's things coming from the media, from TV. Um, I see a lot of like timelines of people's reactions to it online and it's just very, it, you know, it wears on you until you finally decide, okay, I'm not going to watch this anymore. I'm not going to, like, let this penetrate into my soul because ultimately you're going to always be sad if you let yourself be emotional over what else is going on in the news. I just don't have the energy for that. I just don't. But considering that all this is true, I do feel sorry for all the lives lost and the surviving family members and friends of the victims here. Let's move forward. Um, speaking of murder, how to murder your husband. Writer convicted of murdering husband. Now, I came across a story just recently, and this is fascinating for several reasons. Now, we, you know, there's a lot of, like, different, like, crime stories, um, passionate, what's that called? Um, like, love crimes, or there's a specific name for when you kill um your loved one your your lover because you felt so impassioned for that person i forgot what it's called but either way this is an example of a love crime um love crime hate crime whatever it is and there's so many different stories and movies and shows and documentaries of of wives killing their husbands or husbands killing their wives speaking of that Side note, if you haven't checked out this show on HBO Max called The Staircase, which is an actual event of this father who is, and I don't want to say too much because I don't want to um, spoil it for anyone who hasn't finished it or started it yet, but it's fascinating. It, you know, I think about, like, if there's a series of events that's a pattern, for example, this husband, I'm just going to say this. This husband, his his wife fell down the stairs. That's what that's what he says, and she died from falling down a flight of stairs. Just <laughs> like wait, what? Um, but before her, he was married with his to his first wife, and she died by falling down a flight of stairs. Like hold on, like huh? Are you a serial killer? Like, what What are we talking about? How many stairs do you need to fall down to, to die from? Like, like, I don't understand if this is really true or not. Um, and the way that this show creates the story is that you could see both arguments, right? You could see, huh, maybe she did fall. Like, she, so there was different moments in the show where, she is drinking too much. Um, it's clear that she's unhappy with her life and where she is professionally and personally as well. I think there's like this, this unhappiness. And so she drinks a little bit too much. She is negligent and definitely clumsy. So the argument was painted that she could have well fell down the stairs after drinking her fourth, fifth, sixth glass of wine and boom she hit the corner and the way that the stair is is set up there's like a corner is a corner stair and it's like a hidden staircase meaning you got to open the door go up these stairs it's like an attic room like what the fuck what kind of house is this but anyway it was an attic room and 
she was like she just fell down and they slowed motioned it and you could see how she could have potentially if she really did fell down the stairs you could see how she um could have hit the back of her head so hard that it left her having a concussion which ultimately led to her her dying right so she's like bleeding all out and she's choking from her blood where's her husband at this time he if he's going if you're going off with this story right because again this this show is painting the different arguments of this so it's really allowing you to determine your own conclusion which is pretty cool but I think he did that shit I really do I think he did that shit for a moment there I thought Maybe she is clumsy. Like, maybe it's just a really horrible freak accident. But no, nah, I think he did that shit. I think he did that shit. <laughs> and there's a lot of reasons why I think so, but I don't want to say too much until it's over. Like, I, I think there's a few more episodes, and then the show is done. It's a limited series, so it's going to be done in a moment. But, you know, if you guys haven't watched it yet, please take a look at it and let me know what you think because, my God, today... Anyway, we have this story of Nancy Brophy. She is a 71-year-old romance novelist, and she was accused of shooting her husband dead. Uh, she said prosecutors had sketched a flawed plot line, basically saying, oh, being that she wrote a book. She literally wrote a book about how to murder your husband, and then, boom, her husband is now dead from a shooting, it, it just looks like a perfect match, like a perfect, perfect recipe. And she's saying, no, you know, you're creating this narrative based off of my writing. I'm just being artistic. And you know that saying, art imitates life? Or is it life imitates art, right? You could use it interchangeably. But I think here, I think she did that shit, one, because he had a hefty insurance plan, so she got a lot of money from his death. But I think, though, she used to, she, she just needed inspiration. <laughs> she just needed inspiration to write this novel. Like, look, how can I write a book about how to murder your husband if I don't murder my husband? Like, Does that make sense? It doesn't. I need to murder my husband first and then write a tell-all. It's like how OJ did that book. You know, if I did it, I'm like, OJ, you did it, though. But I don't know. I, you know. I was definitely on the side of OJ did it, do it. Yada, yada, yada. Free the black man. But it's looking like he probably did it. <laughs> but either way, whatever. He got away with it, whatever. But you know how he wrote the book, you know, if I did it or. Yeah, I think that was the title of it. And he painted out exactly what he would have done had he done the crime or, or had he, like, really done it, right? Because he still claims his innocence and, you know, to each his own. But it's just very fascinating to me how, you you know, it's very coincidental. You're a romance novelist. You wrote a book about how to murder your husband. And then um, your husband is now dead? Like, what? What happens now? Like, what happens now? So, what happens? So, Nancy Brophy, she's 71. She, um, what happened? Covering her nose and mouth has a verdict was handed down seven weeks after the child began in Portland. Or So, this happened in Portland, Oregon. Prosecutors had built their case with evidence showing that Miss Brophy had acquired gun pieces in the months before the killing of her husband. 
Daniel Brophy, including one extra component that prosecutors said could only could ensure that the bullets used in the in the shooting would not be traced back to her gun. Okay, so it looks like she was doing her research and got the 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 pieces that she needed to get to make sure that after after shooting her husband, it wouldn't be traced back to her gun. Now, what do you say to that gun control? Like, we need gun control. Like, she didn't have an AK-15, right? She didn't have a AR-50, whatever it's called, AR-47. You know, she had a regular little little mini gun in her in her purse, and she just did what she like. You know, and the point of what I'm saying is like, you could kill anyone with anything. So saying gun control, oh well, at least it's not a gun that kills you 15 seconds per minute. Okay, but that Glock still kills someone. So what? Which life matters, huh? Which one? Prosecutors contended that Miss Brophy shot her husband in his workplace where there would be no cameras or witnesses, then moved to collect on lucrative life insurance policies in the days that followed. Um, they said she had a plan in place. She had the opportunity to carry out this murder. She was the only person who had the motive. So it just it just made sense that she would do that. Uh, the second-degree murder charge for which Ms. Broffrey was convicted carries a punishment of life in prison. She is scheduled to be sentenced j- June 13th. So, yes. Um, so, she is known for writing several self-published romance novels. And one had one speculated in 2011 blog post that a wife who kills her spouse must be ruthless and very clever because she is likely to become a prime suspect. She pondered various methods of murder, supposing that knives were too personal, poison was too traceable, and hitmen were too untrustworthy. She wrote that guns were messy and required skill. Very fascinating. You know what I think about that? I think poison really is the way to go. Like, if you're going to kill someone... um. I don't know how traceable it could be, right? Like, say if, okay, think about it. Instead of giving you a home-cooked meal or, like, you know, putting the poison in the home, there's no, like, please don't take this as, like, (laughs) that's a way to do it. I'm just, like, thinking out loud. But instead of, you know how some, like, the shows that I've seen of wives doing this, like, poisoning their their husband or even sometimes their children, it's horrible. But they'll poison, they'll put the poison, the, the... what was it? it was like this acid something in the smoothie for their husband to take or in um, just their water, some type of drink that the husband are the coffee, the tea, typically the coffee. And um, they'll hand the coffee to their husband very consistently, so much so that it just it feels like a, a routine. Right. Like, hey. This is a part of our routine. You drink this coffee, and now this coffee's laced, and eventually your body's going to deteriorate, and boom, your heart stops. Now, traceable, I don't know. I feel like it's more speculation. You know, I think it's more so about who do you know is always serving you this coffee. Then that's traceable. But it doesn't really say, like, you don't get fingerprints in the poison that comes that could be traced to the wife who was putting that poison into the coffee. You know what I mean? So I think poison really would be the way to go. 
Like, I, look, if you had a choice, I think poison would be the way to go. And there's so many different poisons you can find. I promise you. It's anyway. I just watch a lot of different shows. It's fascinating. So I know this. I look moving forward. So yes, how to murder your husband. This is very ironic. It's very ironic. And this white woman, this dear white woman, she looks like a cute little, cute little lady, you know, who walks out her, her front, her front door and, and gets her mail and waves to her neighbors. Very cute little white lady. But yeah, she, she's a murderer. Stone cold killer. Stone cold killer. Let's talk more, more on death. I'm so sorry for the morbidity of this podcast episode, the morbidity of it all, but these topics are just in alignment, I guess, with each other. Anthony Bourdain, I finally came to watch this documentary called Roadrunner, which is about Anthony Bourdain and just how he became to be who he who he was. Um, just a story of his, his, um, his instant, his instant success, his, um, just respect and love and adoration from the public and how that trickled down to him not being all the way stable. When I heard of Anthony Bourdain when I was younger, it was because of this show that I used to watch staying up at night. And it was on UPN. And this this was during the time when there was no cable in my home. Um, my dad didn't get cable yet, so we were still watching basic TV. And this would be up at night, like at 3 a.m. And I was still up. And I will watch this show featuring Anthony Bourdain. And he'll just eat the food of different natives and, like, talk about it and how it's so good. And, wow, this is rich. This is this is like, you know, he'll just like give his commentary on the food and his personality was in, was infectious and it was just a nice, cool show. And I like looking at food. I like watching food shows. I like watching food videos. I love watching recipe videos. It was just nice. So that, that's how I knew about him. But I never knew that he had an addictive personality. I never knew he struggled with heroin and was addicted to that for a long period of time until he finally just cut cold turkey, apparently. According to the documentary that I watch, he cut cold turkey, and one of his friends, this Asian guy, was like, he's the first person he knew who cut heroin cold turkey. Like, he just never... He came across a lot of drug dealers, not drug, uh, drug abusers. He came across a lot of drug abusers, and he never came across one who um, really just cut off from heroin. And I guess at that time, I don't know if he, prior to his suicide, I don't know if he got back to struggling with his heroin addiction. I don't know. They, they didn't really say that, so I'm assuming not. But what's interesting is he always had a manic personality. Like, he was always obsessed about one thing or another if he finished obsessing about one thing it's because he's now moving on to to obsessing about another and it's just a pattern right so um he was obsessed with cooking and and um being the owner of a restaurant and making sure his kitchen was in in proper 
and proper organization and all of that. And um, so that obsession went to there. Um, then his obsession went towards writing and talking about his experiences in the kitchen. He had he has um, a New York Best Time seller book called Kitchen Confidentials and talked about just all that takes place in the kitchen as a cook, as a chef, as an owner of a restaurant. And his obsession came to focusing on writing. Then his obsession focused on traveling. He did so for work, so it was justifiable. But then it, it just continued to move on to another thing that he was obsessed with. He His first marriage, he was married to this woman or with her th- for 30 years. They were together since high school. They got married. They never had children. But that marriage finally just dissipated. Like, I don't know really what was the reason. I don't think it was any infidelity or anything abusive or anything like that. It just, he just... From what his peers was saying in their interview in the documentary, he just decided, yeah, I'm done with this. Like, okay, I'm moving on to the next thing. Like, literally, like, he just, he obsesses for one thing at a time, and when he's done with that obsession, he moves on to the next thing to obsess over. So then he he and his wife just went their separate ways. They got a divorce, and then, okay, done. So now he takes on jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu which is a form of fighting um i think it's japanese and he got so hyper focused on it got very very fit for it and to be i think he started it in his early 50s and continued it for a couple of years and to be in your early 50s starting fighting it's dangerous right but he was so focused on it he got very muscular um I think he got an eight-pack, actually not even a six-pack, an eight-pack, very well fit, was fighting, competing in competition. So, like, his, you know, sometimes we put ourselves in a box, right? We put ourselves in a box and we think, well, once a cook, uh, you know, I started off as a cook, I guess I'll die as a cook, right? I'm just going to only be a cook. I don't don't think about doing anything other than that. I, I don't think about progressing into new areas of opportunities no I'm just gonna stay as a cook and yet we fail to explore other interests and other desires that we have so I respect that Anthony Bourdain decided to move in different arenas like who would have thought this cook you know who wrote about cooking and his experience with that one not only were you a cook but you then became a writer so wow who would have thought a cook is now you know, a chef and is now a writer. Wow. Okay. And then, wow, he travels for a living. That's interesting. Like he's moving further what the goalpost is and it's exciting. That's how we should be when it comes to life, right? Like you shouldn't just stay complacent professionally or whatever that looks like for you. Like it should be an opportunity to explore what your interests are. If you're interested in jujitsu, painting, Uh, playing a guitar go for it and see where that takes you so seeing how he was in his early 50s and decided to start jiu-jitsu that is pretty awesome like I think that's very commendable I think that's pretty attractive honestly not to say I was attracted to him but I think that's an attractive trait to be curious about something and to go for it Oh, that is the best thing ever. Like, I I love people like that. Like, just on any level, whether that's romantically, platonically, 
profession like any way like I, I respect that about someone like have curiosity that is what this world is about like you're not supposed to just live one way and that's it no I'm gonna say this box like no you could change your careers at any point like it's really never too late until it is too late right but which means like you you know you passed on but as long as you're living here on earth you can do whatever the fuck you want respectfully you know consensually legally all that but the point is like you can still explore your interests you shouldn't have to um restrict yourself because oh you're now 50 years old like oh my gosh how how would I look starting my singing career like it just no start at any point so I just think that's very commendable anyway so he got super hyper focused uh to jujitsu and he was um, doing competitions, fighting, competing, all of that, very, very well into his 50s and looking damn good doing it, right? Then he met this this woman who became his second wife. They had this very just strong, passionate relationship and marriage. They had a child together, and that was his first kid, and it seemed like that was that was it. Like, wow, you know, he found someone who he felt very passionate for and decided to have a child with that this is definitely a happy home, right? And they were together for some time. I don't know how long exactly, but a good amount of time. They had this family, right? They had this family together. But as part of his job, he is traveling often, right? He's going to different areas, experiencing their foods, um, experiencing the tastes in different cultures and that weighs on a family if you're trying to have that stable home appearance it, it weighs on it so him not being home often and it finally just taking a toll but I think ultimately it wasn't even about that it just was about he was over it like he was over even trying to be that cookie cutter um, home guy, husband, father role. Like, he just wanted to move on to the next thing. Like, he just had this manic personality, y'all. It was very strange. So, you thought he was really happy, and he was. Like, he said he loved his daughter. He loved playing father. Not playing, but you know what I mean? Like, he loved being that role and playing it up to this fullest while he was at home for however long until he moved or to, until he traveled to the next place, yet um, that wasn't enough for him. Like, it wasn't enough for him to finally just be okay with it and not feel obsessed about moving on to the next thing. Anyway, he moves on to the next thing, okay? He got a divorce from her, left that wife, left that child too. <laughs> he was like, I'm done with both of this, <laughs> both of y'all niggas. Like, okay. So he left them. And, you know, continue traveling for, you know, for his job and his own interests. And then he met this other woman. And it, it kind of went downhill from this point on. But I'm going to say this respectfully because I think she gets a bad rap. And her name is Asia. It's spelled like Asia, but it's pronounced Asia. And she's this European actress. I really don't know her from any movies or shows, but I guess she's more famous in Europe. And um, she is uh, she and she and Anthony Bourdain starts dating, start dating each other, and he seems very very smitten with her. 
and she that like there's a huge age difference don't get me wrong there's a huge age difference but nonetheless there's a there's a strong attraction that they have for each other they're traveling together you can see them in um this documentary they recorded together um just took videos of each other and you know whatever it is um so there was a point in time in their relationship where it definitely was obvious that he was more into her than she was into him and it was kind of cringy watching that as the other people who were around them they were watching it and they were noticing kind of her being annoyed with him and him always you know how someone's just like so into you they're looking at you all the time they're just so like fascinated with you I remember uh Leprechaun Bay and y'all know like I wasn't attracted to him at all only stayed with him for the time because it felt like I don't know I was just in a different headspace and I felt like oh I needed to like oh well I just want a boyfriend just have a boyfriend and this was a guy who's just around whatever but you know that's what happened um, he was like, for the beginning of our relationship, I remember him always like staring at me. <laughs> Let me drink this water. Hold on. <laughs> I remember him always staring at me all like, like staring at me like, oh my God, like, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, and I sound like a fucking bitch, right? Oh, you, ooh, you're mad that someone's calling you beautiful and staring at you and loving how you look. Yes. Yes. That's the answer. Yes, I am. That's it. You got it. You're right. Like that. That's it. Um, but so like, <laughs> I think ultimately though, like there was just this very much, it was just weird. Like he was always staring at me, always fucking staring at me like with a smirk on his face. And I don't know, like, he never been with a bad bitch. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm saying that humbly, of course. But it just felt so annoying. Like, stop. Like, be regular. Like, calm down. <laughs> calm down and eat this pussy. Because, damn. Fuck. You're doing too much. Stop looking at me and eat this pussy. You know, so it just got annoying. It got really annoying after a while. There were some times when I would be like, what <laughs> i would really just ask him what he's like no i'm just look i can't look at you i can't look at my hey, he'll do that he'll be like i can't look at you i can't look at my girlfriend I can't, I can't look at my beautiful girlfriend no you can't no it's annoying and it's weird i'm a human being okay like stop like it's like when you see someone or like when white people be like oh can i touch your hair it's so pretty you know, oh my gosh, is this all yours? Is so the whole thing, the whole fro is yours? <laughs> and they start touching it. It's like, what the fuck? It's just, it's weird. like you're poking a human being. Like, what are you doing? That's how I felt when he was staring at me all the time. Like, what are you, what? What? Oh, anyway, so that's what Anthony Bourdain did a lot. He did that a lot to Asia. And. You, you could just tell that she was just not into him the same way he was uh, into her. So, probably a couple weeks later, there are images in the tabloids of her canoodling with another man. 
Like, they're holding hands. He's picking her up. They're super close, kissing. Like, it was clearly obvious that she was seeing this guy. And Anthony Bourdain, of course, caught wind of it and was obviously upset. I don't know if he ever approached her about it, but as soon as these images were released in the tabloids, I want to say probably a day or two later, it was very shortly thereafter, he tied a belt around his neck and hung himself from the shower in his hotel room in France. Now, boom, mic drop, right? Like, what the fuck? Um, Someone would say, well, you know, he was so upset after, you know, loving this woman as passionately as he did and finding out that she is seeing someone else that took a toll on him emotionally and it led to him killing himself. I think that's unfair. I think it's unfair for several reasons. Why? Because your mental health should have nothing to do with me. And I'm dead ass. And I'm saying this like still, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that he, he passed. I'm sorry that he felt the need to do that. I'm sorry that his daughter is now without her dad. Like I think suicide is so fucked up and I get it. Like I know that sounds super judgmental because ultimately I don't think those who commit suicide are thinking, oh, how can I fuck up the lives of my loved ones who's going to miss me? Oh, let me go ahead and kill myself. I don't think it's like that, but I still feel like there should be a consideration. That's what I'm saying. Like, this should be a fucking consideration. It's one thing to not care about maybe your parents who will miss you, your siblings who will miss you, your your wife, your ex-wife, your um, your baby's mother who will miss you, your colleagues, right? Okay, don't give a fuck about them. Fine. Fine, I guess. Fine. But I feel like at the very least, give a fuck about your child. Hello? Like, care about your child who's going to know that, damn, my dad killed, like, he put a belt around his neck and and hung him. Like, what the fuck? And sure, of course, you're going to feel sad that, dang, he felt so sad that he felt the need to do this. I get that. But honestly, I would feel so cheated. And maybe that's selfish of me, but I feel like if I had a parent or a loved one in that di- like in that closeness, right, of a relationship, and you decide to take your life, I'm, I'm going to be specific to, like, parent and child. Because it's different when it's, like, siblings. Like, I get it, but... I feel like if you're the caretaker, right, you're still the parent, whether he's the father or mother of of the child. I know the mothers get more respect um, when it comes to parenting their child and considering he was traveling a lot. Yeah, 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 I get that. But I think ultimately, though, it's still fucked up. I think it's fucked up. I think it's fucked up. I think it's fucked up. I think you should give a fuck and be like, okay, how can I keep my mental health in check so I can so I could be there for my child? Like my child needs me. Right, like uh, a child still needs his daughter, still needs her father, and you decided to kill yourself. And some people were saying that, oh, he was just so upset after seeing his his girl Asia 
with another man that he just decided to do that. So what? And I think that's fucked up too. Like what? You killed yourself because your girl cheated on you? Are you okay? Like what? And he's not. He's not okay. Or he wasn't okay, right? And I just painted this, uh, you know, this image of someone who was addicted, who had an addictive personality who was very hyper-focused on one thing and the other and the next and the next and the next. So he was a manic person. Maybe he has some underlying mental disorder. But uh, I I feel like at the very least, give a fuck about your child. Like, damn, how does my action affect her? Uh, I don't know. I just think that's really – it's so sad. It really is sad. And I I really think about the living – family members, the living child who now has to face, oh, wow, my dad killed himself because his his ex-girl decided to sleep with someone. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about this too, too narrow-mindedly. I don't know. And I'm saying this in with all due respect, but I just feel like if that was really the – the reason behind it or it led him to the cliff of of doing that then i think that's really fucked up i really do i really do and considering the timing of it all it just it looks like he did it because she you know he caught her cheating on him like at the very least like is it really that serious like i don't know (laughs) i just came from the last episode of this podcast like kind of not to diminish cheating. I'm not diminishing it. I just feel like we need to stop putting our mental health in the hands of someone who's an infidel. Like, I don't think that, like, you shouldn't rely on someone else for your happiness. Does that make sense? Like, you shouldn't rely on, oh, I'm only going to be happy if he doesn't cheat on me. I'm only going to be happy if she doesn't cheat on me, right? Like, it shouldn't have to be something like that. Like, oh, well, I'm going to kill myself if you if you leave me. I've heard of stories of people who's been in relationships with people and they wanted to end the relationship, but they couldn't because they felt guilty because their partner was like, if you leave me, I'm going to off myself. And so the partner will stay like, okay, well, I don't want you to kill yourself. Let me just go ahead and figure the shit out with you. Or let me try to make you happy. And ultimately didn't work out. And the person never kills themselves. Right. And (laughs) the point of what I'm saying is suicide is fucked up in all levels, right? It's a life loss, but it's also sometimes people use it as leverage. Like, oh, well, I'm going to off myself. You don't stay with me. Like, what the fuck? Like, what does that have to do with the other? Like, why can't you just move on to the next person if I can't make you happy, you know, why does it have to be, oh, well, I'm going to kill my, well, then kill yourself then. And that's just me being honest. Like, that's not fair to, to the other person. You shouldn't put that blame or that pressure or that burden on someone else because your mental health is fucked up. And I think that's easy to say if you're not the one with the fucked up mental health. But look, my mental health is not all the way great. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know. Some people were saying, oh, well, you know, they blame her for his for his suicide. And, you know, why would she do him like that? And why would she? she mm, that's fucked up, too. Like, why would you do that? Why would you put that on her? Why would you make her feel guilty for this man's choice to kill him? Like, ultimately, maybe he was obviously very upset after finding out that she cheated on him. 
but that still doesn't excuse you deciding to kill yourself because of it. Like, stop. No, that's no excuse. That's not good enough. Give, give me something else. Something else. It's not, it's not a good enough reason to me. Like, why are you, I don't know. I don't know, you know, and R.I.P. R.I.P. I say I'm so fucked up. No, but I don't know. I think suicide. I just it has a negative connotation, obviously, right? It's a death, but it more so, in my opinion, has a negative connotation because it's just it just feels selfish, dog. Like it feels so. Like if it's one, it's one thing to do it if you don't have any children. I still think it's fucked up, but like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Your body, your choice, right? You know, but you have a child, dog. Like, what about your fucking kid? I don't know. I think it's fucked up. What do y'all think? Let me know what you think. You can always leave me a message by clicking the link in the description notes. Leave me a voice message, and I will share that on a future episode. But I do want to know what you think. You know, what exactly is gun control? (laughs) What is it? Explain to me what it is. Do you want to take away my AK-15s? Do you want to take away my AR-47s? Do you want to take it away? (sighs) Okay, let's end off with this last topic. Bill Mayer who is a commentator, a political commentator, um, a comedian. He has a show on HBO. And he likes uh, black women. I don't think he's married to one, but he's had a slew of black girlfriends. (laughs) So he likes the brown. He likes the brown. So Bill Mayer is on the position of being more of I don't want to say right wing because he calls out both sides, but he's not politically loyal to to either side, which I respect and I like hearing that type of rhetoric. So um, because of this, he's very polarizing. And um, also because he's a comedian, he kind of could get away with it because he could, you know, just wrap it up with a joke or, you know, wrap it up with a smirk and a smile and a laugh. So it's OK. Well, he's a com- he's a comedian. He's a comedian. So recently he said that he feels like um, children who are transitioning to transgender are doing so because it's trendy. And being trans, right, being a trans girl, trans boy, is a trendy move that's happening now. And um, I want to talk about the... What is it? There's like a there's a statistic now that in this culture that we're in, in the time that we're in right now, there are more examples of trans children than there has been um, several years ago. So I think that's very fascinating. Um, so let's see if I can find that. So the Gullah poll published in February said that each generation had increased by around double from the previous generation. There were 0.8% who identify as LGBT in LGBT in the silent generation, 2.6% of baby boomers, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, 
and 20.8% of Generation Z. Now, wow. Like, that is uh, an alarming increase, an alarming rate. And he hypothesized that some of the massive increase in people identifying as LGBTQ could be because it is currently trendy to be to be considered as such. And that's absolutely true. I think um, we don't talk about that enough. Like, there is a correlation there. It is cool to be gay. And gay is not even cool enough anymore. You got to be, I think I'm non-binary. It's cool to be non-binary. It's cool to be, you know, into one and the other and not identify as any, right? You could be into girls, boys, and not identify as either one, and that's cool. Because that's the time that we're in. It's cool to kind of be unsure about your sexuality. It's cool to to flip-flop. It's cool to change your pronouns and be uh, described as multiple pronoun in one, right? I'm a they, I'm a them. <laughs> like, it's cool now. So gay is, not, gay is not cool enough. Like, you gay, what the fuck? Ew, you better be trans to be a part of this group. So, um, of course, he's getting a lot of backlash for this. This is transphobic and yada, yada, yada. All, all the quick um, shut down labels that we put on people. Like, oh, you're just crazy. You're just a transphobic. You're just homophobic. You're all these things. But it's like, no, bitch, I'm calling it out. Like, things have gone too far, too far. There's this um meme that I posted recently. Uh, let me see if I can find it on Instagram. I posted it. And it talked about how basically, oh, Ray Liotta passed away. Rest in peace. I like his work. Um, okay, well, there's this meme that I posted recently of something that I saw that really resonated with what I, what I feel. Um, so someone once told me that most people start as liberals and become more conservative as they mature and realize that traditional values hold a true purpose. That's the phase our entire nation is going through right now. People are finally seeing that things have gone way too far. This is by someone named Xavier D on Twitter. This is very powerful. I retweeted, I, um, reposted this on my, on my page and it resonated with me because this is very true. Like, you know, the times that we're in, you see a lot of people just kind of taking it to the extreme when it comes to the pronouns. That's, that's a fucking extreme, right? If I got to tell you who I am, uh, right. If it's not obvious to you, then that's extreme in my opinion. Um, if I then got to justify, um, that, Hey, you can't call me that because that's not how I identify. And me saying that doesn't make sense. And that's not fair that I'm being labeled as a homophobe, a transphobe and all that phobe, 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 right? Like, you know, if I'm calling out Leah Thomas, for it being unfair that she's competing with biologically born women in the swim team that I'm called a transphobe. 
And the fact that I have to say biologically born women is also an extreme. Like, why the fuck, why do I even have to say that? Right, so we live in a time where it's, it's, it's gone way too far. And we're now, some of us are very much realizing, okay, I'm leaning more towards conservative now. This has gone too far, and I'm, I'm going back to what I've been, um, what I've been kind of raised in. Because I think ultimately, like, in your household, for some households at least, you're raised more traditionally. You get to have these traditional mindsets and, and values. And then you go to college, and what happens? You, you go take a women's studies course. You're infiltrated with the, the propaganda of it all. And, you know, my body, my choice, so I should abort my child and kill it whenever I please, even after I give birth. I should have emphasized, uh, 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 you know, because I have the choice to do so. Well, what about the choice of the child? You know, so, like, we, we, we get away with it because it seems to be politically correct, and if you don't follow suit, then you're a phobe of whatever it is. And at this point in our culture, it's gone too far. And I think some of us are finally waking up and realizing this and we're calling it out. I want to see it more. So I hope my podcast is helping anyone to, to just kind of question more. Like just ask a question, you know, ponder about it. Don't just be okay with everything. But anyway, with, with what Bill Mayer said, I said that before. It's definitely a trend to be a part of the LGBTQ community especially if you're not even really, right? It's just kind of cool to say, hey, well, you can't call me this because I'm really this. Like, okay. It's just weird. So it is what it is. This is the times that we're in, but we have to speak up for it. We have to call it out, and we got to ask the question, what exactly is gun control? I'm fucking <laughs> No, but anyway, I want to leave this off by saying, please watch Roadrunner. It's not an ad. I mean, it could be an ad. Let's see. But it's just, it's fascinating. It's very fascinating how manic personalities bleed into every part of our lives. And seeing that Anthony Bourdain had a manic personality, it just really explained his, 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 his death, his, his form, his method of dying. It really does explain it. And what's interesting is throughout the documentary, while he was alive, he would casually talk about hey wouldn't it be crazy if I just like off myself here or if I just jumped in the pool of water and just don't come up like he would say very much casual suicidal ideations and of course when you're hearing that when when you're the recipient of that it's kind of like uh, (laughs) like you're immediately gonna laugh to it because it's kind of like oh that's funny or like it sounds so crazy that you laugh to it but maybe it was just his his uh his backup call, right? His way of crying out. <sighs> but yeah, his way of crying out. Anyway, you guys, I'm gonna end this podcast episode here. Thank you so much for listening, and I will check in with you guys on Tuesday. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. 
Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.